Love Talk Radio. In action. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Yay! Yeah, there he is. The Yay. one and only. We are here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> We're really, really here. That's right. Oh boy, last week I had an issue. I had an issue with my microphone. Oh, my gosh, I didn't have an issue. Mike came on, and he says, hi, you there? And I go, yeah, I'm here. Are you there? He goes, hello, are you there? I went, oh, no. And for, oh, it was a good half hour. 40 minutes we played and I tried to get it going and we could not get my microphone. So this past week I've been playing around and it's, it's on, it's running and it's working. So I apologize if you tuned in for a show last week, it was a technical problem, which we've had those over the 10 years. So or 11 years now. So uh, it was another one of those last week. <laughs> Yeah. And uh but it's been fixed obviously. You did something. So uh we're good. I did something. And yeah, I don't know what it was. We're on uh Facebook Live. If you go to Facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR, you can catch us there. It should be the top post as we are live. Or you can go to blogtalkradio.com wine and there is a chat box there on our show page and you can uh chat there, post your question and um related to wine or the topic and we'll, uh, yeah. you know, well, I'll break in and uh, let Ron know and we'll, we'll talk about it. So let's go get down there and let's talk. We're, Thank you for we're back. We're ready to go on all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, we, uh, we just talked for a couple in the air. I was telling Mike, I'm looking for another headset as a backup and you can't find them. You have to order them online. And no matter what you do, there's, Nobody has them anywhere in any of the stores. You've got to go online. You walk in and say, like Ted says with the microphone, they just hand you earplugs. I mean, you know, it's just it's impossible to find a headset with a microphone. So, uh, yeah, I think there are assuming, Yeah, I got those off uh, online. But I think when you go in someplace, they're just assuming that you're a phone user and, and you just want to go like hands free on your phone. They don't. Yeah. They don't understand. Yeah. I, you tell them you are a world-renowned uh, show host. <laughs> well, and, and you are known, and you say, I, I, I demand a good quality headset. We'll talk about it on, on air. Free would be, yeah. per, would be preferable, you know, for the advertisement. And uh, go from there. I, I think that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's a good, good idea. idea. Yeah. I, I should have done that with Amazon. I should have told Amazon. You should that's right. Promote it. They yeah. got these for free. Yes. <laughs> but we're still talking about Amazon anyway, so I don't know if that's you know going to work. Oh, yeah. Let me contact you. We got it from a company way. online. You don't mention the name. Just say oh, yeah, online. right. Oh, that's right. Oops. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> yeah, you got it this right there. From, uh, this is from a company online. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> We're learning. We're learning. <laughs> eleven years uh, later, we're still. Yeah, eleven years later, we're still in a public service a, a public service announcement. This Sunday morning, we are switching over to daylight saving time. So set your lunch for two o'clock in the morning. Get up and set your clock ahead one hour to three o'clock, and then you can go back to bed. So daylight saving time starts this Sunday. Uh, yeah, but you lose yeah. an hour of sleep, don't you? You do, yes. Yeah, yeah all of a sudden, if, you wake up at 
o'clock, set your clock forward. Now it's three o'clock. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, that's not good. Okay. That's and you you if you normally getting up and going to church at uh, get up at say eight o'clock to go to church for ten o'clock service, then it's really going to be nine o'clock and you're going to be an hour late if you don't set your clock forward. So set your clock forward. Again, get up at two o'clock in the morning, set all of your clocks forward to three o'clock, then you go back to bed. That's the only way it works. It won't work any other way. So do it that way. Okay, so we have that public service announcement out of the way and we're set to go. First thing on the agenda here is a new product I discovered this past week. It is a better for you bubbly. This is called Niner 2016 Cuvée Brut Nature. It's out of Niner Wine Estates in Paso Robles, California. It's on the internet at Niner Wine, N-I-N-E-R, NinerWine.com. Distributed through select markets and online. It says about it, Niner Wine Estates announced release of the 2016 Cuvée Brut Nature. The name Brut Nature refers to the fact that the wines contain zero sugar, it says. The wine is an amalgamation of 76% Pinot Noir, and 24% Chardonnay from Jesperson Ranch Vineyard, California. It is also triaged, aged, riddled, and bottled on the estate. The 2016 Cuvée Brut Nature is available in a 750 milliliter bottle for a suggested retail price of $65. So, if you are looking for a better for you bubbly, Niner Wine Estate says their new 2016 Cuvée Brut Nature out. And let's see something else here that I want to go through quickly. And just this is from Beverage Industry Magazine, and it's talking about wine adjustments to adjust to the latest shift. And it says that the wine is changing in the market and the seller's market and that wine is becoming less expensive and a little bit more domestic centered as opposed to foreign market. I don't know if that has anything to do with the publicity about the tariffs and the foreign market prices going up. It could be. I don't know. But According to this article, they're saying that the domestic wines did tick up against the foreign markets quite a bit. Still getting the Prosecco and sales, but the sparkling wines from the United States is also selling very well. As always, the top table wines are, as uh, as I've read before, and they, they haven't really changed too much. The, Top table wines are still right in the basic same category. Barefoot is the top selling table wine. Uh, as a reminder, we review, uh, review, interviewed the founders of Barefoot Wine. Oh, wow. I guess it's been three or four years now since we had them on the radio show. They have a book out telling about their uh, adventure, I guess you can call it, and how they got into wine and how it all came about, and barefoot and all that. Interesting book. I actually I was going through stuff and I found it the other day and and just stumped through it. Some some good little stories in there. They had this last year six hundred fifty five million two hundred sixty three dollar uh, two hundred sixty three thousand five hundred twenty seven dollars worth of sales. They just ran away with it themselves. Closest to it was number two at Sutter Home at 390000 uh, almost 391000 So Barefoot had 655, uh, I say $1,000, 655000000 million, as opposed to Sutter Home at $391 million. I mean, it's just uh, a tremendous amount of difference there. 
Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi comes in next. Then Franzia Box, Yellowtail, Black Box Wines, Josh Sellers, Oda Box, Kendall Jackson Ventures Reserve, and Apothic. Those are the top 10 from sales this past year. Uh, the um, big one in, in sales, though, is surprisingly is Franzia Box. They're their case sales is 12,242,000. The closest one to that is, or is I'm sorry, Barefoot at 9,672,000. So Francia is just running away with case sales on it. But it might be because their cases are made up of the boxes. I don't know how that works. The sparking wine. It has been on the rise. It's been on the rise year after year, uh, small percentages, but it continues to be on the rise in the United States. Uh, the uh, accelerated growth of sparkling has uh, went up almost 3% over last year, and they look at it to uh, level off, but they've been saying that for the last couple of years, so who knows what's going on. Premium wines are trending, but not in big numbers. They uh, are still uh, dollar sales for table wines priced at $11 or more, and sparkling wines priced at $13 or more through 8.4%. But luxury table wines, which they classified as price between 20 and 25, was the fastest growing segment of the Luxury wines at 10.2% growth, which is also beats the uh, lower table wine price. The wine consumption overall is is up, not as large as is expected or as predicted, but is up. The millennials are still controlling a lot of that market, whereas the baby boomers, the uh, boomers are doing a lot of the drinking. The millennials tend to be getting away from it. The middle, uh, what is it? you got boomers and what? Gen, Gen X's, you know. Uh, the Gen X's are the ones that are uh, continuing to uh, uh, build up momentum for wines. They are the ones also, along with those in the uh, millennials, getting canned wines and doing uh, a number of sales because of canned wines. Uh, Gen Z, which is the one right below it, which uh, is like 18 or uh, not even that old, so 16 to 25 or whatever it is. The Gen Zs are the ones that are doing a lot of the canned wines in the, uh, well, not your traditional packaging, uh, can and boxes and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Uh, Gen Z seems to be having a more of an impact on that than anybody. And can wines are jumping up significantly. Um, and they thought at first it was just a, uh, well, let's try this out and see what's happening type thing, but it's not. It's actually... Uh, working, it's and people are actually buying the canned wines because of the convenience of it and how easy it is to transport and to use in different places that the bottle will not go. And we also have to look at the weight of shipping and everything else. So the uh, canned wines are starting to come out. Uh, wineries are starting to use cans for more and more wines just because the market is there. Uh, they're putting wines in it that aren't just your, uh, you know, your, your cheap, inexpensive wines. They're actually putting some decent wines into it, just like box wines. Box wines used to be frowned upon because of the quality of the wine. And that has changed over the years, too, in the box wines. Well, like I just read through this list here, the box wines are listed in, let's see, uh, Francia Box, uh, Black Box, and Oda Box. There's three of the top ten are box wines, and so those have 
caught on too. Um, I, I don't have a breakdown and it would be interesting to see how much Barefoot and some of these others, I know Barefoot does uh, wines in a can, but it'd uh, be interesting to see how much the market is on each of those individually. An interesting number there to, to see. So, so that is uh, reports coming in from this past year, from 2019, uh, how the wine industry is going. It's been pretty consistent each year. It's growing this year, but not quite as much as it has in the past. But it is still still going. Uh, still going on. Mike put a post on our webpage last week, a week before last, I believe it was. And I just want to go through that quickly with you here. If you haven't read it, uh, if you're not on our Facebook page, then you know, you know, join us. Get on Facebook with us, and uh, we'll uh, you can keep up with this stuff. Oh, my engineer just brought me tonight's wine. Oh, this looks, looks good. It is a 2017 Malbec from Mendoza, Argentina. It says, lush with hints of spice. And this is on the cover. Susanna Balbo. Uh, Creos, C-R-I-O-S. Creos. Uh, I guess Creos is the name of the line. Yeah. So, Creos. Okay, yeah, Susanna Balboa is the winemaker. On the front, just Creos, Malbec, Mendoza, Argentina, 2017. It says on the back, be brave. Susanna Balboa, Argentina's leading and most innovative winemaker, was inspired to change the perception of Malbec from a forgotten grape to Argentina's iconic varietal. She did it. I didn't know that. That was sarcastic on my part. Against the odds, Susanna bravely created a wine that elevates Melbourne to world-class quality, full of signature notes of black cherries, oak, spice, and violets. Never ate a violet and tasted one, but this would be interesting. Food pairings, tuna steak, lamb, and or hamburgers. Having chili tonight, that might go well with that. It is Melbeck from Mendoza, 15.5% LV, ABB. Uh, uh, Susanna Balboa, wines.com.ar, if you want to look that up, anyone out there. Imported by Folio Fine Wine Partners, the Michael Mandavi family. Or Mandavi family imported this. So, let me. Uh, do a taste. Oh, that's a screw cap, it looks like. Screw? It is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Argentina does an excellent job on Malbec. Whenever anyone talks to me about Malbecs, I immediately refer them to the Argentinian Malbec because they are so, so good. And let's hope, well, Susan Balbo did it, I guess. She's the one that founded the quality of Malbec. Got a, a Melbeck aroma, and I know that doesn't help you any unless you're familiar with Melbecks and you've tasted Melbecks and you know what the Melbeck aroma is, but it definitely does have a Melbeck aroma. It is rather dark, uh, Melbecks tend to be. This is, this is really nice. It's got a, let's see, let's try this again, open this up. Yeah, black cherry. I think that said it on the bottle too. Yeah, I did black cherry. Um, I can't say I'm not getting violet. That black cherry overpowers it almost. And oh, very nice. I'm getting a black cherry. A little bit of tannins in it, not too much. Uh, it's not overpowering on tannins. So you can you can get them there. You can tell a little bit of the oak aging. The oak is, is definitely there. But not overpowering. No, no 
in-your-face acid. That's one of the things I like about Argentina Melbach. They tend to be toned down a little bit on their acid. And a lot of people don't like the strong acid in the wine. Uh, I had a girl come into the winery one day, and she goes, I just don't like bitter wines. I said, wines aren't bitter. If they're bitter, they're going bad on you. And she tasted the bread we had, and she goes, oh, that's bitter. I said, well, then, you know, you're tasting the acid. That's what you're referring to as bitter. So it's not bitter. It's acidic. That's what you really need to look for. Some of the acid in wines tends to be overpowered to the point where you're going, oh, my gosh, that's so strong. This is very nice. This is this is well-balanced, and it's got a good, good aroma for those of you who are into the legs of a wine that says um, thin legs. It's not a lot. I can't say a lot for the legs on this, but it does have, does have some thin, thin legs on it. And very nice, very nice lighter style Melbach. This is going to go very well with our chili tonight. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. Now, if you are not a member of our All About Wine Facebook, then you need to do so. It's All About Wine BTR. Okay, and that's what it's under. So All About Wine BTR. And at Facebook. But Mike posts stuff up there. I throw stuff up there. And uh, he did just this past week. Uh, or I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. He found an article and put up there. I'm going to go over this quick, quickly with you if you're not on Facebook. Climate change wrecks havoc on German ice wine production. And this is true. Well, it says updated March the 3rd. So I guess it was just a couple of days ago he put it up there. For the first time ever, the entire German ice wine harvest has failed to deliver due to the effects of climate change. Now, there are very strict rules in Germany about ice wine, and there are nine regions that you can get ice wine. Each of the regions can produce ice wine. So when they're saying that it is no ice wine this year because of climate, that affected all of Germany, all seven or, or nine regions. That the article says, citing a mild winter, the German wine institute reported that none of the country's wine-growing regions saw temperatures consistently reach minus seven degrees Celsius necessary to make the wine, Okay, which is 19.4 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, season's over, unless they get some very strong night, cold nights coming up. It's not going to happen this year. Uh, that uh, if you're not familiar with ice wine, most people are, but if you're not familiar with ice wine, it's when they leave the grapes out on the vine, cold temperature comes in, freezes the grapes, they pick them at night when it's still cold, cold press them so as not to break the ice crystals that froze the water in the grapes. That's what they're looking to do is freezing the water in the grapes and not the grape itself. Cold press it, which releases the grape juice and ferment that and make a wine from that. Hence the name Ice Wine. I-C-E, Ice Wine. In Germany, it's Ice Wine. E-I-W-S-I-N. E-W-E-I-S. Ice. I don't know. I can't remember right now. But it is harvested when it's cold and all that. But Germany's having problems obviously this year because it's warmer and and hopefully it's not a pattern that will come up and continue. Uh, So they're they're looking at seeing what's going to happen. This is the first year that that ever happened. And in all the years, this is the first year that ever happened. Canada still produces ice wine. And actually, they're the biggest producers of it, but they do it every year. Uh, they don't have the rules and regulations that they have in Germany, which is government-controlled rules and regulations. Canada does have some rules, but not as stringent as Germany. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, if you're into German ice wines, there's not going to be a 2019. 
ice wine. None of it's ever made. So there you go. And I don't, I don't know about any of the other types of German wines. They have Spätlesen, Oistlesen, Baron Oistlesen, Trocken Baron Oistlesen, and ice wine. And those are all different degrees of sweetness. Uh, the ice wine has to be frozen, but the Trocken Baron Oistlesen might be a delicate white and things like that. So, but again, as a reminder, more than anything, get onto our face, uh, our Facebook page. All about wine Facebook page. Got some things to talk about here, odds and ends, and hopefully get most of it covered. We did this last week, which was other stuff I was going to talk about. Then. All right, let's start with. There it is. Scientists link moderate wine consumption to a lower risk of chronic kidney disease. Now, that seems odd, doesn't it? Considering that you know liver and kidneys and stuff are affected by wine consumption, but this article, which is out of the Wine Spectator magazine, says your kidneys work hard; they maintain a equilibrium in the body for fluid. They filter your blood, removing waste impurities, and then you, you know, urinate it all out. They also produce blood cells as well, control your blood pressure and keep you healthy and all that other stuff. And they're saying that wine could help that. John Hopkins University in Baltimore, gave for them, it's you know a good name, found the link between moderate consumption of alcohol and a reduced chance of develop, developing chronic kidney disease found that a moderate amount of alcohol consumption one glass a day for women up to two glasses for men was associated with lower risk of chronic kidney disease compared with no consumption of alcohol or little or no which is a good thing I mean we're always looking at ways to to increase our immune systems and through wine, so this is a good way to do it. 12,000 participants, black and white men and women, ages 45 to 64, were tracked over the course of 24 years. Oh my gosh, that's a long, good study. Using questionnaires on eating habits, the researchers separated the participants into groups based on the amount of alcohol consumed. Never drinkers, former drinkers, those who consume less two or equal to one drink per week, two to seven drinks per week, eight to 14 drinks per week, and 15 drinks or more. So over the course of 24 years, 3,666 of the participants developed CKD, which is chronic kidney disease. The surprising result when investigating the alcohol habits of those that they that didn't develop CKD. <coughs> Excuse me again. Compared to participants who had never drank alcohol, those who consumed less or equal to one drink per week had 12% lower risk of developing CKD. Those who had seven to or two to seven drinks had a 20% lower risk. And those who consumed 15 drinks or more per week at 23% lower risk. Wow. Then participants who drank a moderate 8 to 14 per week enjoyed the biggest risk reduction of all for chronic kidney disease, 29% lower risk. So that's a good study. I mean, that that's a long-term, lots of people, men, women, race, everything in there. That's, you know, that's an excellent study. You want a cross-section like that. They did a good job on it. So basically what we're saying here is 8 to 14 drinks per week, which breaks down to well, anywhere from 1 to 2 drinks a day, can lower the risk of chronic kidney disease by as much as 29%. 
Boom. There you go. Another reason to drink wine. As if we need another reason. But there is yet another reason why we can start scoffing at the naysayers when we start saying that we shouldn't be drinking wine. We say, it's good for my kidneys. All right. This was something I found that was interesting, and I just want to share it with you. I think I might have, did I? Uh, Bush is now making wine. The uh, famous brewing family has shifted focus to make wine in Santa Barbara County, California. So the Bush family is going out into wine. I think I might have I might have talked about this. Uh, just as a quick review here, they are making their specializing go in uh, what they say just uh, a limited number of white roan. Grenache Blanc, Marsan, Rosson, and Claret Blanc. Uh, so they are keeping it small. They've already came out with a 17 vintage and an 18 vintage. So, and it's not cheap. It's, uh, I mean, they're the Bush family. They figure their stuff is worth more. So you might look for that on the shelf. It is under Folded Hills, Santa Ynez Valley. August White, or a statewide, or uh, Yunez Valley Grant Grenache, or Folded Hills Santa Yunez Valley August Red, or a state Grenache, or a state Syrah. These are all, all of them are Folded Hills Santa Yunez Valley. So California wines from the Oh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I talked about that before, but just if I didn't, there you go. Another Southern California, Santa Barbara. So, another, another note on the Bush family and the winemaking. Okay, let me see. Let me find my next one here. Yes. Okay. Old vine. Old vine. What what is old vine? You might have seen that on labels of wines sometime before. Uh, some wines promote it big time. Old vine. Old vine Zimdo. What is the one that you remember, engineer? Old Vine Zimmerdahl. Who is that that we always get? She can't remember either. Oh. Hmm, I don't know. But, oh, I know it. I can't think of it. But you see Old Vine on different ones. This Old Vine Zimmerdahl is this one that's out there a lot. But a lot of them advertise being Old Vine. And what... Is that good? Is that bad? Does that mean anything? Why is Old Vine good? Why do they promote it? Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, is, you know, how old do they need to be to be classified as an Old Vine? And Zimno is usually the most common one. Uh, you've got one more than anything. Old Vine Zins, but you can get Old Vines on just about anything. After you plant, it takes about three years for the grapevine to start producing any fruit. Five years to get its full full amount of fruit, and it reaches adulthood around seven to eight years. So that is it's constantly producing. A mature grapevine is said to be anywhere from 12 to 25 years old. And grapevines will grow and grow and grow. You don't have to worry about unless they get disease or they're going to continue to grow. Uh, they they're like a tree, they're not going to die. Old vines are usually more than 25 years old, and preferably old vines are referred to as 50 year olds or older. Some of them brag about old vines being 100 years old. This is a 100 year old old vine, Zimindel, or whatever it happens to be. And it's interesting that 
over the life cycle of a grapevine, there are some noted changes that give aging some unique qualities. Okay, they produce concentrated fruit. Old vines tend to lose productivity with age. You're not going to put as much fruit out, but it's believed that this is because the concentration of the fruit and it, it yields better juice because it doesn't have as many grapes to try to make good, if you will, uh, to nurture and take care of. It gives it more chance to concentrate on the smaller amounts of grapes that it makes and therefore concentrates more of the good stuff into those grapes, flavors, and all that. Also, old vines have a very deep root system, and it means that the vines pull the nutrients and water source from, from deep, deep in the, in the earth. Grape vines can go down a long ways. They are grape roots, uh, grape vine, uh, grape plant roots can go down very far, seeking water and any other type of nutrients in the ground. And because of that, older vines don't suffer as much with uh, one vintage to the next because of things like a drought or floods or climate change or any number of things out there because they've already dug their roots down deep and they've found what they want to survive. And that's what plants do. They want to survive just like humans. I mean, if you think plants along that line, it just didn't make sense. So they're digging down deep, and some roots can go, if they need to, 30, 40, even 50 feet deep, looking for water and something. And once they find themselves a source, then they're happy. The, the uh, ripeness isn't a problem either. Uh, with ripening, it's the tannins, and especially in red wines, and that's most most of the time when you see, and in fact, I can't think of any wines advertised as old vine that are whites. I think all the ones I've ever seen have been reds. I, Zimadol is very common. I, I see uh, some Cabernets, Merlots that are advertised as old vines. I've seen some Syrah. Mel back once, I remember seeing, but I don't remember any whites. So uh, it's the, the ripening of the fruits and the tannins. Unripe tannins can taste uh, green like a undeveloped grape, and they can also become very astringent, uh, acidic and astringent. So uh, older vines tend to achieve the ripeness more consistently. You can count on it year after year without having to worry about it being too much astringency or not enough tannins or something. Old vines tend to develop well and consistently in that area. And again, they take care of themselves. Uh, they don't need as much work. They're not going to freeze. They're going to just... They're self-sufficient a lot, if you if you will. The old vines, uh, his main thing is just reduce production. Otherwise, they do very well and sustain themselves on that. But, and let's look at production, that means less money for the grape forest. And is that really what they want? Is it worth old vines? on the label and the fact that you're getting less production. And that production could be down anywhere from 10 to 25%. So instead of making a thousand bottles of wine from this one grapevine, you're only going to be making 750 bottles, which is a substantial amount of money. So, Yeah, it is very good. And you're just yum the numb. I guess it's numb, numb, numb. Uh, older vines aren't on trend right now. You'll find a lot of 
oddball varieties of planted that are uh, not the ones that really, well, I can't say Zumino, but most of the ovines are ones that people just don't go out and grab. And so therefore they're not demanding a higher price. Petite Syrah can be an old vine. Brussel, Zimindel, Carinon, these are all old vine capabilities in the last few years, but you're not going to see these demanding a higher price just because they're old vines. So one of the problems, oldest living grapevine, just for fun fact, is located in Morabar, Sylvania. And uh, this is a rare red Sylvanian variety called Zamatovka. Zamatovka. Zamatovka, not Becca. Zamatovka. Uh, it is uh, Sterodfka. It's a grapevine. It's a variety Zamatovka. Uh, so that is the oldest living grapevine. That's all that they know of that documented. Uh, they said uh, places with old vineyards that you can find vines, California, Lodi, uh, Lodi growing area is actually twice as large as Napa Valley, and they, they have a lot of old vines there planted in the late 1800s. Zemdol, uh, quite often, along with Passo uh, and Cerigo National and Tanit. Another place, Languedoc, southern France, uh, the area that is uh, named with the Carignan grape uh, is also uh, a lot of old vines there, although there is a lot of them are being lost to development. They're paying farmers to pull up grape vines and start doing housing and stuff like that. Some of them didn't tear it up, so we got Carignan around that is old vine. I've seen some old vine Carignan. Uh, Carignan is C-A-R-I-G-N-A-N, not Carignan, it's Carignan. Uh, when you hear me say that, if you look up Carignan grape, it is spelled differently than what it really sounds like it should be. Another area, Uh, another area that has some old vines is Barossa Valley, Australia. I don't think they were affected by the fires at all, that area. Uh, it's ancient vines there, some of the only old vines in the world. Uh, or uh, they call them, they got some uh, different names for it in that area. Old vine, 35 plus years. Survivor vine is 70 plus years. Centurion wine, obviously 100 plus years, and then they also have a category ancestor vine. I say wine, all those, I meant vine. Uh, ancestor vine, that's 125 plus years. So Australia has quite a few of the old vines on there, Syrahs and Grenache, and his main reason they haven't been infected by Phylloxera, so they were never dug up and replanted. Excuse me. And Sanitarini, Greece is another place that they have some old vines there. Uh, I'm trying to see if it says anything about being white grapes there. Let me see. They named the grape here. Let me click on and see if this is a white grape. Here in 
find it there and see what it says about there. As Rutico, most iconic wine grape variety in Greece, uh, it's grown in the volcanic island of San Rutini. Uh, versatile wines from altitude, fresh, rich, enormous. The uh, vines can reach over 70 years old. Harsh volcanic soil. Come on now. This is weird. I'm trying to find if this is a red or white, but it doesn't say. Sweet and dry stalls, but most of the wines from that area are sweet. There's the reds. Hmm. Well, so much for that. I'm trying to find it. I'm going to spend a whole lot of time sitting here looking through this while I'm trying to the show, but I will definitely search it later and put it on the Facebook page so then all of you out there who are not on the Facebook page, like I said, James, you join us. And that's it uh, for areas that are noted for their old vines. Most old vines uh, tend to be very thick, uh, very thick stalks coming up and very thick vines. They will, most of them are usually pretty short. Uh, they don't grow to a much higher, although you're always trimming everything and all that on it. So if you see old vines, you get an idea then of what that means. It's not just a, uh, uh, a name. There's actually, it's because they are old and that is the purpose. Carmen Air. I've talked about Carmier before. I'm going to talk about Carmier for a couple minutes here because I absolutely love Carmier. It's a grape originally from Bordeaux region of France, basically grown in Chile now, uh, sometimes called Cabernet Grenache. Uh, it is a red grape, raspberry, green pepper, plummy, peppery, uh, nose to it, a lot of fruit, uh, reasonably low in tannins, uh, acid and alcohol. It's usually a little bit high. I love Carmenere. Carmenere is really, really a great grape. You can find them in the store all the time. You can look in the Chilean section. I have heard that people in other parts of the world grow Carmenere. I have not seen Carmenere coming out of anywhere else. Except, Shelley, although I did see a blend of a California that said Carmenere on it, but that's been it. If you get a chance, pick up a Carmenere. Don't get the cheapest one you can find because you will be disappointed. Uh, you don't have to get the most expensive, but don't get the cheapest. And give Carmenere a try. It is, to me, a phenomenal grape. I'm just, I, I fell in love with here many years ago, and I have not been disappointed since then. So, okay, let me see what else I need to talk about. Oh, I found a video, and I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to tell you about it before I share it with you. I found a video about corks and how corks are made. I am going to put it online. It's a good little video. It talks about it's by, uh, oh, I think, uh, ooh, I, I can't remember who did this video, um, but it tells about corks, how it's made, it shows, and once you go through this first video here, you sh it should give you links to click on to like two or three others, it tells you about harvesting, it tells you about different things on it. Very interesting, very informative series of videos on corks. We've talked about corks quite a bit in the past and how they're done and all that. We even had a person on who was basically a cork expert and knew a lot about corks. And he talked to us. That All those are on archives. But these videos are really, 
really interesting. There's a lot of information on these, and it's just fascinating how they do this and what is done with it and how things. So how it's graded, all sorts of stuff, and the trees and all, all that. So I will put this on the Facebook page. And again, after you watch the first video, check out the others that come up with it because all of them are part of the series and it's fantastic. And yet again, another reason to join the All About Wine Facebook page. Okay, and then there's another video he'll talk about pet bottles. And I want to put this up for you too. It is a pet bottles, this polyethylene bottles. You, they have made the pet bottles now so that it's not going to affect the wine at all, and it's going to be so much lighter, so much easier to ship, and everything else. This is an interesting little article here, or the video here on pet bottles. So I'll put that online too, so you can check that out. Stuff uh, I wanted to tell you about before I pop them up there, because not everybody sees these online. We have you know, hundreds and hundreds of listeners, and we I don't even think we've hit 100 people that have joined us online yet uh, on the Facebook page. So do that. Do that. Yeah, do that. Okay. Uh, let me see a couple more things here. And, oh, this is the adult lanternfly has been found in California. I first reported on the lantern found the cleaning block. This was The lantern fly, I first told you about it, oh, I guess it's been a year now, how it was affecting Pennsylvania and how the Pennsylvania wine crop is seriously in jeopardy because of the lantern fly and how it's moving around there and all that and how it could spread and cause problems throughout the wine industry. And I told you I'd keep on top of this and let you know what's happening. Well, it is happening. Great day, which was uh, two days ago. Uh, it was celebrated. It's celebrated in you know numerous California counties every year, and it sort of kicks off the season of grapes and it looks back at what they could have done and should have done. Looks forward to what the best management and all that is. And growers in Lodi, California, which is Central Valley, celebrated their 68th to get together, sharing information, all that, and discussing what they found in viticulture and keeping the vineyards safe and what was going on and how to reduce pesticides and organic and all that. And they said that they have shared at that meeting that they have found the spotted winged lemon fly in the Lodi region, which is, is bad news. It can devastate a vineyard. It can devastate an area. The, Greenhouse effect, the, the climate change, is one of the reasons why it's made its way out there. Uh, the weather events, uh, heat waves, and all that is increasing the risk for the grapevines and the evaporation of water from the surfaces of it is causing problems. And it's attracting the lanternfly to a lot of these stressed grapevines. And so it's made its way to California. When we first talked about this a year ago, we said that we hope it contains and can be contained within Pennsylvania, and we hope they find something to stop it. They didn't, and they haven't, and now it's moving. So yet another bug for us to be concerned about and for the growers and winemakers to be concerned about. This, if it starts affecting the grapevines, could could affect us in our pocketbooks. Increase prices. But they just said that the 2019 harvest was one of the biggest ones yet. 
and they have a glut of wine out of 2019. And they expect because of this glut of wine that it's going to, well, a glut of grapes, basically, which is uh, translating to the glut of wine, which translates into the fact that there's lots of wine out there with the prices are dropping for us, but not good for the growers and all that. They don't know what they're going to do because they want more money. <laughs> so it's a never-ending battle in that. But the Vinerfly is in California now. And let's see, got something else to talk about here. This is, is a blog I found, which is an interesting little thing. It says, is expensive wine worth the money? And it's a, it's a rather long article. But the bottom line is, no. It is if you know what you're looking for. It is if you're, if you find a type of wine you like, and you find a Type of grape you like, <coughs> no, that is not coronavirus. I take medication. I don't know why. Uh, if you find certain wines you like and a grape you like, and they come in a higher price, yeah, you can tell the difference. You're, you're going to be able to see it. But buying a wine off the shelf that costs three or four hundred dollars. It's going to be different than the ones if you used to buy them in the $15 to $25 range. It will be better. But buying wines that cost $15 $20, when it costs $100, you probably won't see a big difference. Not because you don't have the palate, not because you don't have the experience. It's just that there's not a big difference. You can tell there's things there, and you can tell that it's a better wine. But don't be jumping in and buying yourself more expensive wines because people said that they are going to be so much better. Unless you sit down and start looking at the difference, comparing all that, you will see the difference. But just to get it just to say I have an expensive wine, it's not worth your money. And that's, that's my opinion. I probably have some find people out there that don't going to disagree with me. And if you start getting wines that uh, say you're used to buying a, uh, a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay, which is very popular. And you're used to buying a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay and you get a nice uh, French Chardonnay that ends up costing, you know, $60, $70, you will see the difference because you're used to Chardonnays and you'll, you'll know what to look for in Chardonnays. But if you get a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay that costs you $15 and you buy a, another Chardonnay that costs $20, $25, you probably won't see a big difference. You probably won't notice it just in that little price difference. If you get a Kendall Jackson Chardonnay that costs $15 and you buy a Merlot or a Cabernet or something that costs $70, $80, you probably won't know what you're looking for in the Cabernet or Merlot to see a difference unless you are a drinker of those grapes. So there you go. Again, that's I, I think that, you know, that, again, that's my opinion. You can get yourself... Uh, Decent wines that don't have to cost a whole lot of money unless you really want to spend the money on it and say, I have this wine that costs this much. Otherwise, you know, enjoy it without the big expense. And I want to talk one more thing here before we leave. About, uh, let's see, that's not that page. Uh, that page, where is it? 
Keith Joshua Vineyards, Southeast Arizona Wine Festival is this weekend. Eighth annual Southeast Arizona Wine Growers Festival features 18 Arizona wineries at the Keith Jackson Winery. They have four bands, food vendors, arts and crafts, all sorts of good stuff. That's from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., rain or shine, both Saturday and Sunday. It is in the it is south of Tucson, Arizona, in the hills of southern Arizona. Tickets are $20 to $45 and include a souvenir wine glass. And uh, they have two bands on Saturday, one from 11 till 2 and one from 2 to 5, and two more on Sunday, 11 to 2 and 2 to 5. Tickets at the door, there's free parking. It is family friendly. And just a good time. This is a nice winery, nice area down there. And just a real nice time. Uh, Keith Joshua Vineyards was again voted one of the top 10 wineries in the largest pool in Arizona. So they're they're constantly rated right up there. Uh, Keith Joshua is a, a nice guy. I've had an opportunity to meet him. But uh, the Southeast Arizona Wine Growers Festival is March 7th and 8th this weekend. Bands and all sorts of stuff. If you want to give them a call, you can do so at 520-455-5582. Or you can go to keepjoshuavineyards.com. But um, nice venue, nice event. A lot of wineries, and you've got a chance to taste a whole lot of wines or just a reasonable price, you know, 20 to $45, uh, 18 wineries. So what a way to do it. You're not wandering around, driving around for hours and all that stuff. You can just sit there and do everything there and get your tasting done, kick back, have some food, listen to music, and then drive home. So that's coming up this weekend. And let's see. That's it. Most of well, that was last weekend, so. I guess that's it. So we're done for this evening. Okay. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Audience out there. Uh, again, the- don't forget to get up three uh, two o'clock, six o'clock forward. Day night same time starts this weekend. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's tough. That's a tough one. Um God, there was something I was thinking. Oh, uh the old vine Zinfandel you were talking about. Was that gnarly head or no? Gnarly Head is one of them, but that wasn't the one I was thinking of. Yeah, Gnarly Head is oh. one of them. That's available a lot of places, but okay. there's another one. Oh, man, I can't think huh. the name of it. That's... Do we have one in the rack? Old Vine Zimino. We don't? I found. That's unusual. We usually always have one. Bogle? Bogle? Bogle, uh, Bogle has, has some old wine, uh, too. Now, this, one, this one starts with a C. I'm almost... A C. Campo. It doesn't say old vines. Campo Viejo. No. No, I was looking, and then I found um, I found something, a Chenin Blanc that had old vine under the label. It was by a different vineyard name, but it said old vine on it, but I couldn't find any anything based on old vine. Uh, There's a a white wine for you that's old vine. I didn't, I didn't. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's not on the nice. label, but couldn't tell if it was a. Uh, uh, looking for, couldn't tell if it was like a name, just that they threw, you know, it's an old vine, but because the vintage is like 2016, 2018. Yeah, does that make sense? Klein, yeah, we do have an old Klein. Okay. Klein, okay. Klein, yeah, old vine okay. zero. Klein's very popular. We love that. We we pick that. I'm always picking up the Klein. You know, thank you. I thought we still had one in there. Yeah. Klein, Old Vines, that's, that's one of our favorites there. Uh, but uh, I didn't know, you know, if there's if there's a Chenin Blanc in there that is Old Vine, that's unusual. I didn't think there was a whole lot of white yeah, Old Vines out there. 
I wasn't sure if it was just oh. part of the uh, name of the wine or. Um, I don't think so. It's probably it probably means old wine on it, you know. So. So it's. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I I don't think that might be about the only one I can think of that is old wine because. <clears throat> sorry. Um, but yeah, good. Thank you. I didn't. I couldn't think of any at all, but I guess maybe there is that one there. Uh, that's white. That's old vine. But again, old vine. The, the production drops down on the grapes, and I, that's why a lot of wineries, after 20 years, dig up vines and replant. You know, it's just they do it in a rotation of parts of the vineyard. We're gonna we're gonna take out the back 20 acres this year and replant it and then after three years, it starts producing. After five years, it's getting a lot of grapes. Eight years, it's maturing, and they're doing well on it, and it's producing a lot more than those old vines will. After five years, it's giving you a lot more grapes than what an old vine will. And again, you know, like I say, if you're making a thousand bottles, you're losing 25%. That's that's a lot of difference in your money there. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay. Um, we are going to uh, go ahead and close the show out for this week. Uh, it's about 8.07, 8, 8 after 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll be back uh, next Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Right? Correct. Hey. <laughs> I'm still figuring this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Daylight saving Eastern time. Daylight time. Eastern okay. daylight time next week. Eastern time. Whatever you set your clocks to Sunday, we will be back at 7 p.m. that time Eastern. Yeah. Right here on and Blog if, Talk Radio. And if you haven't set your clocks back by Thursday, then mm-hmm. you <laughs> didn't mean. have any appointments, didn't have to work, didn't have to, you know, you just, you know, sitting around waiting yeah. for all about one. <laughs> That's right. It'll be a while. Uh, but we'll be back. Uh, that's uh, February the 12th, uh, next Thursday, a week from today. And uh, thank you for tuning no. in. Everyone have a Wait. no March 12th. March 12th. What did I say? Oh, I've got a February back. February. Of course. I don't know where I got. I'm looking at the calendar right here. Where did I? And it says Thursday, March 5, 2020. Anyway, <laughs> March 12th. Gosh, March, March 12th. Uh, you know, uh, but time change is going to be going to be enough to have to get your wrap your head around. Don't be saying February. That's really going to yeah, that's going to be tough there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a month earlier, so we'll see you all. <laughs> yeah. Set your clocks forward, but turn your calendars back. <laughs> that's right, and we'll be here. Um, have a good. Uh, weekend and uh, we'll see you all uh, next week whatever date that is see you next week all right thank you all right be safe out this concludes tonight's broadcast of all about wine with your host ron for show information links to all about wine on twitter and facebook or to be a guest on this show visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All right.